Hey, welcome back to the Fort Dodge Leadership Podcast. I'm Nathan Lawrence, and I'm joined here today by Katie Dorsey, our ministry resident, and the two of us work on discipleship ministry around here at Prairie Lakes Church Fort Dodge. So thanks for listening today. So where we're headed, uh, today we're going to talk about why small groups, why do we need to connect relationally. We'll talk about the role of a small group leader and what it takes to become one. Uh, We're going to talk about like the nuts and bolts. What does a small group leader do and what are the responsibilities of a small group leader? Very practical. And then we'll talk about the power of sharing your story. And when you learn to do that effectively, whether you're in a small group or just, uh, you know, in your little Iowa, uh, the power of what happens when you share your story of your faith. We have a quote here from Rick Warren. Do you want to go ahead and share that quote, Katie? Yeah. So Rick Warren said, our church must always be growing larger and smaller at the same time. There must be a balance between the large group celebrations and the small group cells. Yeah. So wh- why did we share that? What, what does that kind of mean for us today? Yeah. So when I think of church and especially here at Prairie Lakes Church Fort Dodge, um, we've been we've been growing and um, the the large group celebrations, the worship together on Sundays, the events, those things are great. But where the connections really happen are in the people that you are around. Yeah. And so what I think Rick Warren is saying here is that the big church, small groups make big church smaller. So yeah. it's, you know, if you um, were to walk in a complete stranger, you wouldn't know anyone. But if you were to walk in having been a part of a small group, you know six to eight people. And it just mm-hmm. makes it feel like family. Yeah, and that is your church, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- this leads us to this first segment where we're talking about why. Why small groups? Why do we connect relationally? What's what's the reason for all this? And, uh, you know, one thing we would say is that small is good. Um, big is good too. We want to grow. We want to reach out and, and we want to be building the kingdom of God, one new believer at a time. But small is really, really important. Um, you know, people can get lost in the shuffle. You walk in, uh, like on a Sunday morning, it's fun to feel the energy of lots of people in the room, but we all know that kind of feeling where you look around and you're like, wow, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. I, I know some of these people really well. I know some of these people a little bit. And a lot of people in the room I don't know at all. So there's a sense of community in that room, but it's not true community. You're not really known by every person in the room, and they don't really know you. There are all sorts of things that, whether it's like the simple facts about your life or whether it's like the deeper things about what you're struggling with or what you're going through, um, we're not fully known by the people in that big room. But in a small group, like just like Jesus modeled for us, um, you know, he, he, yes, he was ministering to the crowds, but he also had a few, he had 72 believers that went out and did a missionary journey, but then he also had 12 that followed him everywhere he went. But then he also had three that he called to special experiences like the transfiguration. And they, they were part of more, uh, they went in when he raised Jairus's daughter, um, they were even more part of the inner circle. And then he had one, John, who was the disciple who he loved. And so like Jesus modeled this picture of like, yes, ministering to everybody, but also it's good to go deeper with a few. Yeah. And I'm, I'm one that I like to tell stories and like to hear stories. And so when I think of that, I think of, like you said, you come in and you don't know people or you're not seen. Um, for me, a way that like when I'm in a group, I feel more seen, like whether it's something I get to share about what God is doing in my life with people, like I have an outlet for that. But then also the flip side of that is participating in a group. I get to see what God is doing firsthand in other people's lives. Whereas coming Mm. in, we can hear from a, from a communicator or pastor, like somebody else's story, but you might not know them being in the group gives you that front row seat to what is happening amongst those people in your church family. Yeah. Larger scale. Yeah. Seeing it play out in people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. So like the Bible uh, says where two or three are gathered together. There I am in the midst of them. That's Matthew eighteen twenty. So we have this uh, picture that like 
Jesus is among us as we meet together. And there's something special about two or three or just a handful uh, getting together where a deeper connection happens. And, and we're hardwired for that. We need that. It's how God made us. And a small group happens when two or more believers gather in Jesus' name to live out the church's core values together. What's your take on that when you think about like living out life together in a small group? Like, let's talk about that a little bit because I, th- I think that's a, a huge thing that we don't just meet together to meet together. Like we want to like do this life together. Yeah. When it comes to the why in that statement of um, living out the church's core values, I feel like what I hear in like, if we're applying it to why small groups is that if we're learning something new, we need to see it. We need to see it happening. So um, if Mm. you were brand like brand new to faith and in a small group, you're learning those core values. So if you were only attending and not participating life on life with people, it would be harder to see those core values lived out. So, I mean, it says church's core values, but if you think of like church as a whole, our Christian core values, um, learning that and just learning um, disciplines or learning um, how to's or getting questions answered, it's going to happen around a circle Yes. Um, more so where you have that opportunity, like I said, to be heard or to share or to ask right. um, versus in the larger group. Absolutely. Yeah. You're getting a chance to to actually live out um, the things that we are preached at. <laughs> um, you're like you're actually um, the, sometimes it's like uh, the, the one another's of the Bible. There's so many verses, love one another, be kind to one another. And you can look for the one another phrase in the Bible and it shows up a lot. And all these things that we're supposed to do for one another, we get a chance to actually do them in a group when it's like, okay, these, these are my people. These are my, this is my flock that I'm called to shepherd or be a part of. Um, we talk about this phrase, uh, corn grows in rows, but people grow in circles. Corn grows in rows, but people grow in circles. And what we're talking about there is like, you can't show up and sit in a row on a Sunday morning and expect to grow. Um, not deeply. You can maybe get just enough to get by. Like, But if you really want to deepen your relationship with God, it's got to be in a circle with other believers. Uh, there's really no way around it. And I think those two things tie together too. Um, when somebody is in a small group and they ask a question, like maybe it's like, Like, so I hear you guys talking about reading the Bible or studying or devotions or different things, but like, what does that actually look like for each one of you? I've had somebody in a group ask that recently, and Mm -hmm. we were able to each kind of share how differently that looks for different people in the group. You know, the person that gets up early, the person that does Mm -hmm. a devotion at night, the person that does it on their lunch hour, like you, you wouldn't get that from one, like one communicator on a weekend. You would, you would get to see how it's worked out in the busy lives of actual people in a circle versus a row, meaning like a Sunday morning where you're hearing from one person and maybe their experiences or the experiences that they've been aware of. Yeah. And you can discuss like that, that like, well, and that's what you're saying, but I mean, like you can, um, ask for clarifying questions like the sermons playing (laughs) or you're listening to it with a live communicator and like, it's just going to keep happening. You can't just raise your hand and be like, can you say that again? I'm not sure I understood you there, but in a group you, you can, you can stop and ask questions and no question is too dumb or (laughs) is inappropriate. Like everything's on the table. I love questions in small groups. I think it's like the real spot when somebody is vulnerable enough to ask a question and it just opens everybody up into one, into that space of maybe they haven't been, they weren't, they haven't been there in a while where that question, they already have the answer to that question, but mm-hmm. it kind of puts them back into that spot. But it also just gives us the, the opportunity to experience um, whatever the question is together and have those discussions and learn yeah. from each other. Yeah. Another big why for small groups is just care. Um, we can feel pretty isolated out in the world. Uh, we can even feel isolated in a church setting. Um, you know, it's not uncommon for us to kind of get these experiences where someone uh, who calls Prairie Lakes Church home is sick or in need. And 
care is supposed to be something that we're always doing for one another, that every one of us, you know, the Bible talks about us all being ministers. Like there's the priesthood of all believers, meaning every single one of us is a priest of God. And so, um, what that, how that plays out is that every one of us can minister to everyone else. And so care in the church should be all of us reaching out. And so small groups is, it becomes like the, the formalized vehicle, the, the practical way that we create care systems within a church. So um, small groups are our first line of defense when it comes to caring for the needs of people in the church. We want everyone, literally everyone, to be in a small group so that those four to eight people, let's say, know what's going on in their lives. And they, uh, we don't need to kind of like deploy a chaplain, which is our second line of defense. Like we, we have chaplains so that people who aren't in small groups can also receive care if, if we kind of find out about it or things are reported to our church. But um, if everyone's in a small group, that's not even needed. Like people are just caring for one another. Um, you're in both of those circles. You're, you're helping with small groups, Katie, and you're also um, leading the chaplain ministry. So talk about what you see in terms of care and discipleship and how they overlap. Yeah. Like you said, the people that are going to know you best are the people that you're spending time with each week. Those are also the people that you're able to open up to and be vulnerable with that. You know, when you think of a lot of our chaplain calls are for, you know, major life events. I mean, we Mm. do new babies and surgeries and stuff, but you're the, the deeper things like struggles with, uh, in a relationship or marriage or even some things where like our kids or different things, like your small group is going to know that. And you have that opportunity to be more vulnerable there. Whereas it's probably unlikely that you would just call in and say, Hmm. I need a chaplain for my whatever. Yeah. Um, I think it just gives more opportunity. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, it's just, the first line. So if we know that a person is in a small group, we know that um, their small group is caring for them. And another thing I thought of is even just our gifts. Like um, when you're in a group of people, like there's gifts of hospitality and care and different love languages, even all represented in that group. And so it's probably more likely that someone's going to hit the target with what you need by mm-hmm. being in a group versus expecting that from one person. Yeah. I, I love that. And I love that you're just describing it as like even way better than any one person could really do because you're, now you're part of a family and that family in its diversity can care for your needs. Another why with small groups is we say the light is brighter together. The light is brighter together. And so, yes, each one of us is called to be a light for Jesus but that light increases together. Like Andy Stanley, you know, he's, he's a pastor of a huge church in the Atlanta area. And he talks about like, yeah, you might not be able to bless everyone in the same lavish way, but if you can do it for one, do it for one. I don't know exactly what his quote is there, but, but he, he talks about that kind of concept a lot. And that's the beauty of small groups too, right? We may not be able to visit everyone in the hospital. We might not be able to spend two hours on the phone processing something heavy with everyone in our church. But if you can do it for your small group, um, there's real power in that, especially if then that multiplies. We're all doing it for our few or for our one. And that's the power of small groups. All right. So this second component then, the second segment of our episode today, we're going to talk about the role of a small group leader. Uh, what does it take to become one? What do you actually, um, what, what does this position entail? Uh, so let's start with what a small group leader is not. <laughs> um, a small group leader is not a theologian. They're not a super Christian. They don't have to be a teacher. Um, there, there's we, we have this like vision of like, if I'm going to lead other people in faith, I've got to have all these qualifications behind me. I've got to have an MA or a BA or a PhD behind my name. And that's just not the case. Um, in fact, like I would say it's the inexperienced or, you know, like the Bible talks about these were unschooled ordinary men, but they took note that they had been with Jesus when they were talking about the disciples. So there's almost more power when you have the unschooled position. You're just saying, hey, 
I don't know all the fancy answers, but like, here's, here's my experience. Here's what I'm encountering with God. And like, there's real transformative power when regular people are sharing their faith. Um, so yeah, you don't have to be all those things. Let that go. Um, and then the final thing we said is you're not alone. One thing that a small group leader is not is they're not alone. So you don't have to just be figuring it out all by yourself, leading people courageously and, you know, in an isolated way. You have coaches at our church. So a small group coach is someone who invests in a handful of leaders, pours into them, encourages them. And then not only do you have your coach, but you have the power of God behind you. Anything you would say about this, like the the misconceptions or the things that small group leaders are not? Yeah, we've had plenty of good stories over the last couple of years of people just saying yes to whether they started as a small group host and had another leader in their space leading the group or they just straightforwardly said, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that I want to gather this group of men or women together and this is where we're going to meet and can you help me? Um, some really cool stories mm-hmm. about that happening and some of our strongest strongest groups are started with somebody like that. So it's, it's mm-hmm. cool to define that what they're not and more of, you know, what they are. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. What a small group leader is then what, what is a small group leader? Well, they're a person who takes the lead in creating an environment where biblical community can grow. A small group leader is a person who takes the lead in creating an environment where biblical community can grow. So the person does have to lead. Uh, you can't just accidentally and spontaneously have biblical community. It's it's going to take some leadership and guidance. You don't have to be domineering or overly pushy or something, but there's leadership involved. And then creating environment, you're making a space. You're making a safe spot, whether that means a quiet spot or distraction-free location, somewhere that's comfortable, hospitable. Um, but most importantly, it's spiritually safe. Like you can come in as you are, warts and all, and study the Bible and learn what it means to follow Jesus together. And you can belong. Um, so a person who takes the lead in creating an environment where biblical community can grow. So there's, it's not just any community. We're not just getting together to hang out. And like, there's definitely social hours and people who have like, um, guys getting together for breakfast after they, you know, after some event or something, but like, this is biblical community. We're trying to create community centered around what the Bible has to say about our lives. And I want to follow Jesus as the Bible commands me. Um, and then the last part where biblical community can grow, there should be growth. If you're just meeting and maintaining, nothing's changing. I am the same person that I was three years ago before I started with this group. That would be, that would be wrong. There should be actual transformation happening in the group. So one more time, that definition, a person who takes the lead in creating an environment where biblical community can grow. Any other comments? There's a lot there that I'm sort of unpacking as I read it, but any other thing you would want to interject on that? Yeah, I just think of, you know, we just you just talked about growing, but you know, when we're growing, like you're you have to start somewhere. Like if you were talking about a plant, you know, like you can have a seed, but it has to be in the the ground with the water and the the sun and like it just has to start somewhere. And so that was, I guess, kind of our next mm. thing was what does it take to become one? And it's just saying yes. It's just yeah. like if you want to if you want to grow and you are you know, going to grow, it's by saying yes. And that's kind of what I mentioned earlier is somebody just saying like, I don't know, but I do know that I'm giving a yes. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm, I'm willing to host or I'm willing to lead. And how do I do that? And that's, yeah, that's Mm. the start of the growth. Take a step out of the boat, stand on that wave and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Uh, How about this next part? Um, In our notes here, it says being a facilitator and also being a connector and includer. I want to share a little bit about like the difference between that theologian thing and a facilitator. So by being a facilitator versus a teacher, hmm. you read a question 
and pause and people answer. There's no, there's no need to teach. It's already been done. And then going into, you know, guiding your group relationally, obviously is part of that. But it's when it comes to being a theologian um, and having to know all of the ins and outs, that's not the responsibility of the small group leader that's done through the, through the teaching team or through the video series. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're just, you're teeing people up to be able to learn about God as they speak out loud, as they process out loud and hear their own thoughts and hear one another's thoughts. When people are just teed up, like I said, to be able to process out loud on their own, the learning just exponentially is higher. You're giving people this safe place to sort of air out their thoughts and sort of have this essay experience in a really positive way um, of like, yeah, all right, what do, hey guys, what do you believe about heaven? Okay, that's a different experience than if I just present a bunch of talking at them about heaven. Hey guys, wh- um, what does it mean to live out our faith in the workplace? As opposed to, here are the eight ways to live out your faith in the workplace. If you can f- find a way to become just a facilitator and not the expert, uh, your small group leader, your small group is going to be so much better. Yeah, um, and one of the tips I read recently is let your group members talk. Let them do the majority of the talking. So like if you are applying that to like you're coaching a leader to that, and then they went on to say it's a 70-30 rule. So 70% of the talking should be done by the group members and 30%. And it Hmm. might even say like less if you're going through a discussion guide. It might be more of like saying like a 10-90 rule. I mean, you're obviously going to give your own answers in there too. So you add in that little bit. But Mm -hmm. if you're only reading the questions and then you know, something we fight against is the silence, but leaving that space of silence for people to process it and answer the question, then really ideally the leader should be talking 10 to 30% of the time and the group members talking 70% of the time. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So asking good questions, being a facilitator, not being a teacher. Um, uh, Another part of the role of a small group leader is to be a connector or an includer. Um, like why would you say, Katie, it's more important to be a connector and includer than the theologian and the expert and all those things we're talking about? Well, even going back to the, um, do for, do for one that you wish you could do for everyone, even as a small group leader, depending on the size of your small group, if you have 10, 10 people in your small group, or, you know, maybe it's 10 individuals or five couples in your small group, even as one leader, you can't care for all all of them all of the time. Like they need to be connected to each other. So by encouraging them to be communicating amongst, whether it's like a group chatting and they're all communicating um, that sort of connection and care Mm -hmm. side of it, but then also as an includer in the discussion portion of the meeting of making sure that, like I said just a second ago, giving that quiet space for internal processors to process internally and either noticing or, um, encouraging them to speak, you know, maybe, or, um, just, yeah, just making sure that everyone has a chance to share their story and, um, managing the group discussion time. Yeah. Cause people can hog the, the air time and yeah, a good connector and includer is finding that person who hasn't had a chance to speak in a while and not pushing them out of their comfort zone so much that they shut down, but, but yeah, making sure their voice is heard too. And, and also uh, including them in the group in the first place, being invitational. Um, hey, come join our group. Come hang out with us. Um, a good group leader is is building that group and having people join in. Uh, the last thing we're going to say today uh, about the role of a small group leader is they have to be a pastor, which sounds like a contradiction from everything we've just been saying, but it's actually true because um, when you think about a pastor or the root word for that, like pastoral, um, it's all related to shepherding. Um, language-wise, that's it's you're really just being a shepherd. So we would say, like, actually every small group leader is a pastor. Um, not that they have the training to be a pastor, but they have the spirit of a pastor. They have the heart of a pastor. Um the, the gift, when you talk about all the spiritual gifts lists that are listed in the New Testament, when you have the pastoral gift, that means you <clears throat> you have a heart for a few people and you're caring for their needs and you're, you're guiding them in the same way that a shepherd guides a flock of sheep. 
uh, you know, leads them to where they need to go so that they can be fed and grow. Um, they're not, you know, they're not necessarily pulling the grass out of the ground and putting it right in the sheep's mouth. They're just leading them to a place where they can find growth. And that's what your role is. You're, you're pastoring your flock of, of people and finding a way to make sure their needs are met and that they're growing and changing. So anything else about role of small group leader before we move on to the yeah, next Yeah, just topic. wrapping that back up to where we said that the beginning, like that the community is growing, the leader's growing too. So the, yeah. like that is a big word and it, you said it's contradictory. We're saying like, oh, just, you can just, just read the questions and just connect and include your group members. But like when you hear the word pastor, you're like, well, wait, that's, that's a big word, but you're growing. So by saying yes, you're giving yourself that opportunity to um, go in and give it a try and mm. like just sit back and watch how God grows that that desire in you and just deep like deeper longing to um, include people in your group, invite people in your group, um, send out people from your group to start more groups. Like mm. you'll just see that growing and that that pastoral role will grow in you. And I think that's pretty cool too to to just give that give that yes to God and allow that allow that to grow. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, well said. The next seg- segment here then is what exactly do you do? Because we're, we're kind of talking conceptually about what a small group should should feel like and act like. But what are the like day-to-day responsibilities, week-to-week responsibilities? What do you do as you lead a small group? So very practically, there's an administrative component to this. You got to take care of some details, okay? So one thing is you got to gather and if as you're gathering, um, we want to make sure that there's communication and connection happening in that. So, um, like, what kind of communication would you say a typical small group leader needs to do? Yeah. So administratively, um, through group chat or text, like sending out the information of the where and the when updates, all of those things, mm-hmm. um, sending out address and you know just the basic stuff that you would need to. That would be the responsibility of the leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, deciding what what you're going to do and communicating that with your group um, ahead of time as well. Yeah, we all had that friend in maybe high school or grade school who took the initiative to get everyone together. Hey, guys, let's how about on Friday night we go do this together? There, there's got to be someone who does that communication and and just spurs everyone on to get together. And, and like that is the small group leader role. And, and I, I like just... You're also sort of the guardian of the consistent time and place. Like the, you know, things are always tending towards falling apart. You know, we always have to be holding things together, maintaining things or else they'll end or die or stop. And community is no different. Um, You've got to be the one who's championing like, hey, I know it's going to be hard this week to meet, but let's still meet this week. Let's keep it going. Um, I know maybe we have to find a different location because so-and-so is gone, but let's find a way. Let's meet at a restaurant. So the administrative side of that is doing a little bit of anticipation, a little bit of just nudging to say, hey, let's still meet. Um, Even if it's going to be two people this week, let's still meet. Um, Let's keep this ball rolling. Yeah, I like the way you said, like, champion it and then, like, having that awareness of as the leader, you are – um, having the awareness of your group's needs too. So as you lead through one group, you might notice that it's really hard for people to get there at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. And that as you go into the next one, like you're the you're the keeper of that, like you said. So as you go into the next group, then maybe suggesting to the, you know, you're leading it. So you say like, well, what would it look like if we, we started at 6.30 and went till 7.30, 7.45 or, you know, whatever the time difference that you want to change. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's like a two hour meeting, like you went from 6.30 to 8.30 instead of 6 to 8. And then also, um, which is kind of a privilege of being the group leader is like navigating yeah. <laughs> your calendar yeah. and like, you know, just like the T-ball coach gets to set yes. the, the practice schedule for their team by taking that um, initiative to lead the T-ball team. Yes. You as a small group leader get to help navigate your group and figure out what, what, what works best for a lot, but also what works best for you and have, you know, that hand mm. in um, what you need and how you, what your calendar needs to. That's so good. So not only is there the time selection, there's the grouping together, 
there's also curriculum selection. So what are you going to study? Um, and this is huge. Um, <clears throat> when you first get started, a lot of times seasonally, what's going to happen is we're going to have like an all-call, all-play study where our whole church is going through a study for a certain sermon series. And you just jump in on that. You don't have to pick anything. You're like, yes, we will do the thing that everyone else is doing. Easy. And it's plug and play. But then for all the rest of the year, um, what we do, we, we call it like kind of five different seasons at our church. So we have two seasons where we do everything together, one early in the fall and one kind of like in February or so. But then the other seasons of the year, uh, you get to choose what you do. So um, we have a lot of guidance for that, and we'll get into a little bit of it right now. So you mentioned you can always go on the website, and there's always discussion questions related to that week's sermon ready to download or just view on your phone, and you can just add water, and you have a small group based on the sermon for that week. Um, so that's one thing you could do as a, as a study. We also have Right Now Media. Do you want to talk about Right Now Media a little bit? Yeah, Right Now Media is a subscription service that Prairie Lakes is subscribed to. So everyone that's connected to Prairie Lakes can create a login and it's quote unquote the Netflix of Bible studies. So, so there's cool. there's all sorts of stuff from um, all different topical stuff, but also like kids, kids programs and such on there. And a lot of them have discussion guides that go along with them or by purchasing, you can purchase a, a leader guide or a small group study book that goes along with them. But the video portion of the curriculum is there for you for, for free. Yeah. And, and then there's also, um, we have a little bit of a library of our own. So if you weren't sure, you could reach out to us here at the church and we can say like, hey, here's a menu of studies that we've gone through. Um, it's, a, it's a library that's kind of in process. It's not... Uh, fully formed and available. Um, but we have enough of it done that we could share it with you. And it gives you like, Hey, here are some studies that people at our church have done and have been really happy with. It's really impacted. Um, and you've been really instrumental in actually creating that resource. So that's pretty cool. That yeah. I think even going to right now media or going on to, you know, obviously like Amazon or somewhere big, like having, a lot to choose from is overwhelming. So what we've done is created some, like they've been tried and true, they've been done, or, you know, it's based off of a previous, even previous like sermon series, like start here, go to this. um, Mm -hmm. And it's just outlined for you and you can choose from if it's something that's for free or something that you have to buy books for. It's kind of coded that way, um, which is, which is very neat and kind of slims down that huge library Mm -hmm. of opportunity into a few. Um, and then something I just want to comment on the curriculum is like, there's many times where you might get started in something and it's just not a good fit and it's Mm -hmm. okay to at any point, um, modify it or like somebody (laughs) recently was just telling me like that there was just, it was so heavy or so many questions that they just decided like they really need to go through ahead of time and pick the five questions out of the study guide because it was just, it was just too much or just is taking too long to get through the curriculum in the time you have set aside. Um, so modifying it a little bit like that, but also just, just scrapping it and just moving on to something else. I mean, if it's just not landing well with your group or it's, um, they want to go deeper or it's too deep either way, it's just good to just have that awareness as the leader and say like, Hey, I feel like we're in week three and this just isn't just like when you read a book, I guess, you know, like yeah. if it's not hitting and you're like, I'm Let's just, I'm just going to shelf that, like just shelf it and move on. And maybe it's something that you'll want to come back to later, but it's just in that season or what your group needs at that time. It's not, it's not the right fit. Cause not doing that, it, it can be a group killer. Right. Um, people are like, ah, I'm, I'm out. I can't handle this. This is either too much homework is, you know, I got to do all these study things in between, um, week, weekly meetings or just if the topic isn't very inspiring or whatever. Yeah. That's uh that's a great reminder of that freedom, the importance of doing that. And then, uh, at the most, um, I don't know, universal level, let's say, uh, well, this will be the last one we talk about. It's just grabbing a passage or a book of the Bible and going through it, just reading it. Uh, we have a method called coma, and we'll, we'll talk more about that in future episodes, hopefully. Um, but con- context, observation, meaning, and application, you can take those four words, apply them to literally any scripture passage, 
and you can have a, a Bible study right then and there just by looking at Scripture. At, at, at its core, we want to all develop this skill of like, I want to be able to take someone else through the Bible together. I don't need a preacher to unpack it for me. M- me and someone else, we, we can open up the Bible, discuss it, learn from it, and grow. Um, this is what we were made to do. The Bible is made to be read in community, not just alone. And we gain better understanding by reading it together. So, Yeah, and something cool about that is it stretches that muscle for everybody in your group to not be dependent necessarily on um, reading a devotional or like listening to a talk or a sermon or a podcast to yeah. get their teaching from. Like they can just sit down with a piece of paper maybe a study guide or like a study helper, like a commentary or something, mm-hmm. or even just their study Bible and just sit down and look at a specific passage or book of the Bible and dig in. And that is something that's critical to our growth spiritually as believers is having yeah. that skill and exercising that muscle because we need to be in the word um, and seeing it for ourselves right there, not just always yeah. hearing it from somebody else. Yeah. One more administrative thing, and we just got to say this because it's so important. Take attendance. (laughs) It seems small, but it really matters. It's the only way that we really know as a whole church if we are reaching people through small groups because they happen off-site. Nobody fully knows what's happening in every single group every week. But by taking attendance, and we have a a system to do that. If if you are already a small group leader, you know about this, or you should, um, and you get these little alerts where you take attendance. And we want every single meeting to be recorded who is there so that we can see trends over time. And, and also it helps you as a leader know, Hey, who hasn't been around for a while? Um, so taking attendance is another part of what a small group leader does. Um, there's also, not only is there the administrative side, but there's also the spiritual side, the spiritual side of your responsibility as a small group leader. So that means like we're expecting you to pray for your group prayer is part of the spiritual side. Um, don't just have some random prayer requests, but be praying for the transformation of, of the people in your group. And, and do you want to, yeah, I think it's bit? important to pray within your group and just, um, asking for God's presence and God to work through the discussions and that obviously, but when it comes to, um, spiritually caring for your group through prayer, um, I think it's important that you throughout the week are praying for your group and um, just even in we talked about communicating with your group and gathering those situations that are happening. And through that, like your group um, will be great because you are relationally growing deeper and connecting with them because you know what's happening and you're able to by praying, you're you're following up and you're doing all those mm-hmm. things through that practice. So obviously within the group time together praying, but praying outside of that time really helps your group grow um, Mm -hmm. relationally too. And don't be afraid to pray out loud. A lot of times that's a fear factor for many of us. So um, break through that, pray out loud. Don't be afraid of what anyone is going to think of the words you choose. Like no one's criticizing your prayer. Just pray, you know, like model that both in and out of the group. And so that's the part of the spiritual side of what small group leaders do. Um, the next one is care. And we talked about that quite a bit already. So, but I just want to remind you, um, caring for the members of your group, that's a part of your responsibility as we talked about at length. Another one is movement. So what does it look like for a small group leader to spiritually be concerned with the movement of their Yeah, knowing where your group members are at and who is in your group helps you have that awareness of where they they need to go. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about stories in a second, but just knowing that, um, encouraging them, having an awareness of what's going on as far as those um, next steps within the church calendar and when, you know, when baptism is coming, um, encouraging them to serve, like just helping them move through next steps. Um, just, yeah. And that yeah. comes through knowing, knowing them and knowing their story. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So like this is in contrast to if I'm just going to lead a small group discussion, like, 
going through the motions with a small group with a small group would be like we're going to pick a study we're going to discuss it we're going to go home and then we'll pick another study the next month we'll discuss it and we'll go home um the better thing to do is to think of this as part of the spiritual journey of the people in your group and we have five next steps so if you don't have them handy off the top of your head attend regularly uh connect relationally serve purposefully um invite boldly give generously they they don't go in that order necessarily but they're just five um habits or behaviors that every believer should be continually growing in so when you think about the people in your group you want to be asking yourself all right um jim smith um what what is it that he's particularly strong in is he already great at attending regularly but he's never taken a step to serve um so maybe I'm seeing it now as my responsibility to challenge that in him, to call that out in him in an encouraging way. Like you should try serving. Have you ever done that? Are you using your gifts to serve the Lord? You should be. Um, And then maybe you would be choosing curriculum that would encourage your group to take steps in that or someone else in your group. um, They've never invited anybody to either church or to your group, you know, maybe it means you pick up something that would, you know, maybe it's a passage in the Bible that talks about evangelism. You grab the Matthew 28 great commission, you study it together and you get inspired about it. But so not just, we're not just going to study stuff to study stuff. This is going to be tools to move us forward in our spiritual journey. Yeah. And that comes naturally, like you said, like there's the facilitator part, there's the bare bones of doing it, but these things will just come naturally as you're working alongside um, someone through the study, you hear them. And like you said about serving, like you find out what their job is because now they're known and seen by you as leader and you find out that they work in technology and you're like, hey, did you know we have a tech team? Or you find out maybe that their passion is for children and you encourage them because especially somebody that may be new to Prairie Lakes, they might not know all of those things, but you as the small group leader as a regular attender, like you, you have an awareness of those things and you can just naturally guide people. It's not something that, um, is like, you need to know all of those things right away. It just will come Mm -hmm. by connecting. And that's, what's cool about spending that time together is that you can suggest those things. I think the idea here is just that you have an awareness that that's part of what you're doing. And so when you're hearing their stories, you're also thinking about those next steps and how you can encourage them to take them. Absolutely. And then the word transformation comes out of that and it's very closely tied. But again, if, if you, if, if the small group is healthy, people are, people's lives will be transformed. And if they're not being transformed, um, people will kind of leave. They're like, well, this is not impacting my life. I'm not a different person than I was a year ago. And so I'm going to spend my time on other things. But, um, a small group that's healthy will find all of its members like, becoming more like Jesus in tangible ways. So transformation is part of the spiritual side of what you do. Like, and, and it does start with ourselves. You said that so well, God, what do you want to transform in me? What am I holding on to? And as I peel back those layers in myself, it's going to inspire the rest of my group to do the same. And then the last one, just being known and loved. Uh, we want to be known and loved by God and being known and loved by one another. If, if there's nothing else that your group does, how cool would it be is just then to just have everyone in your group be truly known and and cared for exactly as they are. That That's the big picture of, of what you do as a small group leader, what your responsibilities are. Um, to wrap up, if you've never shared your story, um, a small group is a great place to do that because now it's a small, safe space and you can say, hey, my journey of faith it looks something a little bit like this. And here's how I came to know the Lord. And here's how God took me from where I used to be. And, and he, he grabbed a hold of me with his grace and he put my feet on a solid rock. And, you know, and the way that plays out is like, Hey guys, um, I'd like to just share a little bit of my story, my testimony with you guys today. And even having everyone in your group be able to do that, um, I'll share this. I was a part of a small group at Deerbrook Community Church. It was a transition church after um, a church that I had previously been at had to close its doors. And we crash landed into that church. We joined a small group because we knew we needed it. And 
the study that we were in was something, oh, let's see if I can remember the name of it. Um, Storyline? I think it was Storyline. And um, it was all about reflecting on your own journey of faith, writing it out, and then sharing it in a vulnerable way with your group. And even though we crash landed into a group of nearly strangers, we bonded to them so closely because we shared our faith. We shared our story. So um, a big part of being a small group leader is being vulnerable and, and sharing that story. And and a lot of credit to you here, Katie, because you were the one who took that piece of our faith and put it into the Turbo Group curriculum. And I'm so glad you did. So what else would you say about kind of the, the power benefit of sharing your story? Yeah, as I said earlier, like something in me is that I like to um, tell stories and hear people's stories. And that just really grow has grown my faith exponentially, like just hearing what God's doing in people's lives or what God has done is something that just always, always impacts me and just like concretes my faith a little bit more every single time. And it actually grew out of me meeting with a friend and talking about her group, not even here at Prairie Lakes, but just that her desire was that her group would be more, would grow deeper and be able to be more vulnerable. And it just, you know, God just put it right there in front of me is like, you got to tell a story. Like that's just how he's wired me. And so I think by starting your group, whether you've, you know, you've been a group for a while and you're starting a new season, like going into the, the, January, February season here, as we said, that you have this fresh start to like start to launch your group in this pattern, or if it's a brand new group that you are going to start or starting that you um, encourage that because where it landed with me was by, even if you tell, like you don't have to go deep, dark into your deepest, darkest places, but even just by layering it off one time, a lot of people have never told people their story. Like they, they cross the faith line or they cross the faith line years ago and they never had the opportunity because it just was never put in front of them to really share their story. And it takes, you know, it's layers. You have to learn Mm -hmm. to say it in layers, but by opening yourself up and sharing that story one time as least the least layer that you can take off of Mm -hmm. your, your mask or your vulnerability and just saying it once what that does in your group dynamic of when it comes to answering questions and discussing things is one layer has been taken off. And then Mm -hmm. the question comes up and it's something that is drawing out something from your past and you're processing it inside. And you've already kind of talked a little bit about it, but now you have an open door to share a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. The difference is, is by never taking off a layer, you end up in that question and it's awkward or weird to say like, well, I've never really talked about this, but blah, 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 you know, and it just gets Mm. stuck in your head. And I feel like that is just the open doorway to one, like growing people's faith by sharing our stories and letting them see God at work in us and what God's done through us and all of those things. But also just layering off that story and giving people again, practicing that muscle of Mm -hmm. sharing and, um, cause if they can share it in the group, then they're going to share it maybe at a job site or they're going to share it at a coffee or a dinner. Like they're going to start opening up more to the people around them. And then that's really how they're going to impact people with their, with their faith. Yeah. I'm thinking of that verse. My power is made perfect in weakness. And the, to kind of wrap it up today, the myth we often believe is that like, I, I'm not going to have true relationships or connection with people if they knew the real me. And that's just not true. It, it's it's actually the exact opposite, that when people get to know the real you with all the flaws and all the mistakes, um, you know, it, it builds this common trust and understanding that like, oh, you too? I thought I was the only one who struggled with that. Or I thought I was the only one who went through something that hard or or that shameful or embarrassing. Um, but when, when you share the the real experiences and you get vulnerable, um, it actually, the weaknesses bond us together. And the more a group is willing to do that and get vulnerable and weak, um, the stronger it's going to be. All right. So we've talked about a lot today, the why we talked about the role, we talked about the responsibilities and we talked about the power of sharing your story. Anything else 
Justin, some closing thoughts. I mean, yeah, I think just kind of going back to the beginning of, um, if church feels big, small groups are a way to make it feel smaller. Like if you feel like you, um, want to be seen and known, obviously we're talking about leading a group, but even just if anybody catches on that, if you're not in a group, that would be something to definitely, um, be in a group. Like there should be everyone, like you said, we want everyone in a group. We want everyone to be cared for. We want everybody to be growing. Um, and if you're in a group and you're thinking about leading, like take that initiative to, um, say yes and lead the group. We're always, um, encouraging people to connect relationally, but we need places for them to land too. So we want people to be, um, stepping up. If you've been in a group for a while, like consider praying into that and listening into that of what God's calling you to next, because we definitely need to make more space for people to land in groups as they, as they show that and have more, more opportunities for different, different times and nights and locations. Mm -hmm. We're pretty big region here, you know, having people on out of towners and in towners and, um, we just need more opportunities for people to connect. So take that nudge and, and say yes. That's the biggest gap, having enough small group leaders to to lead the number of groups we would need for our church. Yeah, making it small in the middle of the big. I, I love that. So, all right. Well, let me close this out with prayer. Heavenly Father, thanks for just all the folks that uh, may be listening to this episode and Lord, who are at various stages of... Um, of this experience of small groups, um, experienced leaders, people who are considering it, people who've never given it a second thought, but maybe after today are, are thinking maybe they're feeling the nudge. Lord, we're just asking, um, for you to bring leaders, for you to raise up stronger leaders in the sense of more trained, more equipped leaders, um, who can just lead small groups of people well to be discipled by you. And we thank you for the care in that that happens. We thank you for the vulnerability in that that happens. Lord, we're seeing our our church impacted by the small groups that are meeting. And so increase it, Lord. Just um, we're praying and asking in faith for you to multiply our groups so that more and more people could have close-knit community within this church. And we're praying all this in Jesus' name. Amen.